was it bad? What was it like working with him, working with her? You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater too. Feel your love of Broadway anew. On backstage babble. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday! Today's guest, Sandra Lee. I am so thrilled to be able to talk to Sandra Lee, theater legend, and I think it's a great twist of fate that the day the episode comes out also happens to be her 90th birthday. Sandra Lee has appeared on Broadway in Hotel Paradiso, Hello Dolly, Peter Pan, High Button Shoes, Sunday in New York, and Reuben Reuben with Eddie Albert. She has assisted on such notable films as Billy Bathgate and Vibes, and she has coached alongside Stella Adler many famous actors from Jane Fonda to Joan Jett. On a personal note, I really had a lot of fun doing this interview, and I hope that you all enjoy and it too. On their sofa arms, and I would ride horses, and and I would be Indians and and nurses, and I, mean, I don't know. I can't remember when I wasn't doing something. So theater was always going to be the thing that you were going to do. Oh, I I don't know whether it was actually the word theater, but I do remember when I really knew that I was going to be in the theater. And my, it was when I was a young kid and my Aunt Dinah took me to the theater in Newark, New Jersey. Um, I think it was called the Mosque Theater. I can't remember that well. And we were probably in the two hi highest seats in the theater. And believe it or not, the thing that that was playing was this this show, this traveling show called Peter Pan. Oh, and I remember, I remember, I don't remember who it was. It was probably one of the Drapers who did it, and I remember her saying, uh, "I am uh, something about I am from Neverland or whatever," and I got up and screamed and said, "Take me with you." So were all your relatives always supportive of you wanting to do theater? No, not at all. Uh, mm -hmm. But my aunt Dinah, who was a teacher, she used to bring me things, you know, uh, paper, and because she was a teacher, and she would say, you know, just create things, do things. No, I just, uh, I didn't really know what there was. Yeah. Until, you know, early, early, early. I was still very young because I, I played the, the Catskills, you know, the local theater company and things like that. But I never really, I never really had it in my mind to be in the theater. It was, at that time, it was really to dance. Oh. So, at what point did it sort of transition from dance to acting and singing too? I, I you know, I, I think it's just how it happens. I, I think probably when I was in the horse belt when I was very, very young, I don't, I think I was 12. And um, I, I belonged to a thing called the, uh, the High Neighbor Review. And, uh, did all kinds of things uh, with about two 100 watt well, you know, watt bulbs, and we just made theater. That's all. I, I never really thought of it until I got up that time in, in a real proper theater and just screamed at the top of my lungs, "Take me with you!" So you were mentioning the High Neighbor Review. Some people say the things they do early in their career are the things they find to be the most fun. Would you agree with that? No. 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 I don't think it was, I don't think it was about pleasure. I think it was about need. Yeah. In other words, I needed to dance. I needed to recite. I needed, I needed that. So what did you learn from these early performances about, like, 
charming an audience and holding an audience? It never entered my mind. And I think that when that does, you're not the kind of performer that you should be. Mm -hmm. There are performers and then there are performers. In other words, there are people who are entertainers who need that applause and need that response from an audience. And, and those are very different than the people in the theater where the play is the thing. Yeah. Because, because good plays are about ideas. They're not about ego gratification. And do you think you've had the opportunity to work with both kinds of performers? All my life. Yeah. All of my life. I've had an enchanted life in the theater. So, yeah. what were some of the talents and skills that you did in these early shows like High Neighbor Review? Oh, I sang and I was even, I was even fired because, oh. I, in, because in dancing school I, I had heard a thing called, um, it was called St. James Infirmary and it ignited my imagination and when I, I went up to the Catskills with this little group, Sam Seidler's group. Uh, uh, I decided to do that. I was going to dance. I went down to the St. James Infirmary and so I, I made up a costume and I, I did my idea, a very young person's idea, um, of St. James Infirmary and, and the woman at the back of the house, Mrs. Ader, who owned the hotel, said, not in my theater, not in my theater, you know, and I was fired. Yeah. A little teenage kid, but I, I, I had to do it. I just had to do it. So you were mentioning training in ballet. One of the people who helped you do that early in your career was the famous ballerina Alexandra Danilova. So can you explain how you came in contact with her? Yes, with joy. With Great. joy, I can. When I, I, I saw her, my Aunt Dinah, an, another time, took me to the ballet. At, uh, it was uh, actually, it was the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo, and she was one of the great ballerinas. And I was enchanted. I couldn't believe what I saw. And we went backstage. I don't know why or how, probably me, you know, <laughs> saying, oh, please take me. Yeah. And, and, and there she was. She was seated on a trunk with her glorious legs crossed, eating a Hershey bar. I'll never forget that image as long as I live. And I just wept when I saw her and blubbered all over her. And, and I said, oh, can I write you? And she said, yes. And she, she gave me the number of the hotel that she was in. And it's still there on 57th Street. Oh. And, and I wrote her a letter, a tear-stained letter. Um, and I, for some reason, I touched her very deeply and she said, come dance for me. And so from Newark, New Jersey, I got on that train and all by myself and went and danced for her. And she sent me to dancing school. So do you think that later in your career you've helped other people like she helped you? I think it's it's an imperative. Yes, if you don't forget where your inspiration came from, uh, you have a responsibility. Yeah. Actually, one of the reasons I'm speaking to you is I find your will to do what you're doing is something that should be honored. I do. Thank you so much. So more about your early ballet career. What do you think you've sort of learned, not only about technique, but about discipline from those early lessons and classes? I, th I think it's, it's part of the regime. Uh, it's not something you really learn. It's something you must do. Huh. Uh, it's, a, it's a very disciplined uh, art, the art of, da of ballet, of dance. And you, you don't just do what you want to do. You find out, 
you know, what the first position is, the second position, the third position. You find those five positions and you understand organically where they come from. And what is demanded? Before you throw form away, you better learn it. Yeah, that's true. So it was during these early classes that you met Marlon Brando. So <laughs> describe how you did. Well, I was uh, actually, uh, there was a very ritzy um, student who, who studied the same class that I was in. Um, and um, he actually was her guest. He was a friend of her family's, I guess. Um. And uh, uh, Elena, her name was Elena. And I remember she was a real snot-nosed, mm. you know, sure of herself person. And this young guy, this young fellow, came to watch her in class. And I knew I danced very well because he smiled at me and I smiled at him. And I was very pleased with myself because she never invited me anywhere. Oh. And uh, I think it was because I was poor and I had to take the train back to New Jersey. So anyway, um, then when I got a job later on, when I was underage uh, from uh, the man who actually uh, owned the Russian tea room, he had a Russian nightclub in Washington. Mm. And um, uh, I saw his name. And it was, I thought his name was Bindo, Bando, Bimbo. I have no idea what it is. And, and sure enough, his name was there, and he was in a play in Washington uh, at the, I think it was at the National Theater, with Tallulah Bankhead, called The Eagle Has Two Heads, which was a cocktail play. And I don't know why, but it's the same outrageous thing that I have. I, I dropped him a note. I said, oh, we, we met at uh, Alagotarasava's, you know, yeah. uh, class. And I'm a very good friend of Alina, which was not true. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the same kind of chutzpah yeah. that I think you have to have in order to survive in the arts. Are you there... just have to, you have to know you're in the right place. Are there other places in your life where you think you got ahead by using chutzpah? Yes. Almost every time. Or somebody else did it, you know? Whether, whether it was an audition later on, you know? Where you just... I, that, the chutzpah is, is something that says, you know, go for it. Don't be a shy. Don't be shy. Don't be ashamed. It's really what you want. Go for it. Introduce yourself. I well, mean, look what happened to me. Yeah. Alexandra Danilova wrote me a letter and said, "Come dance for me," and then sent me to school to be properly trained. Although I must say that my dancing school in Newark, New Jersey, when I was a little little kid, you know. Yeah. Um, her name was Hortense Greenwald, and she knew, she knew very well, you know, that I was a talented kid, but she could not offer me the really formal training that I needed, and Danila did. So who were some of the other teachers in your early career who helped you a lot? Uh, I would say probably Eddie Caton, Edward Caton was one of the great, great teachers and one of the great uh, influences because he had a sense of, of, of something within a student yeah. that had something else, either a dramatic vein or, or a kind of different comprehension that went beyond just formal training. And he was very aware of me and very kind. Yeah. So once you had this training, you were able to audition for Broadway shows, which you did. Your first Broadway show was High Button Shoes, but before that you auditioned for a few others, I think. So talk about some of those earlier ones. Ah, well, uh, yes. I, uh, I don't know if they were around the same time, but I did audition 
um, uh, for a show uh, for Agnes de Mill. She was the, I didn't know who she was. And, uh, and somebody said, you just say yes to everybody. If they say, do you do modern? You say, oh yes. Uh, do yeah. you talk? Yes. <laughs> I said yes to anything, anyone. And uh, as a matter of fact, when I was a, a kid and, and uh, there was a wonderful young dancer, his name was Bambi Lin. She was doing a, a show called Carousel. Yeah. And for some reason, we really probably resembled each other. And somebody stopped me on the street and said, oh, are you Bambi Lin? And I said, yes, yes. Oh. And I signed her name. Oh, I, yeah. I, gave, I gave this absolute stranger uh, my autograph as Bambi Lin. I don't know, another chutzpah, you know, it was one of those yeah. Go for it. Why not? You know. So you were talking about ad advice. Oh yes, yes. What happened was that one at some point, um, I auditioned for uh, a, a show, um, and Agnes was the. I was told to say yes to everything, and uh, um, Agnes, uh, I, I came out uh, on the stage and. Uh, she said, uh, do you do modern? I said, yes. Oh. I had no idea what modern was. <laughs> um, uh, she said, well, um, well, do a stag for me. Oh. And by that time, they were all laughing out front. I had no idea because I was so naive. And uh, I said, well, you know what? Why don't you come up here and do it with me? Oh. I mean, talk about chutzpah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and years, and oh, I mean, in some way, I was attached to Agnes in some way. Years later, we were friends, and I worked with Agnes as well. But I, I mean, I don't know. You just do what you have to do when yeah. you're a kid, you know? It's true. What advice do you think you would give to someone who was auditioning? Believe in yourself and be prepared yeah. and be prepared. You cannot, you, you really, you, you can't fake it. Yeah, that's true. So, when you finally have to deliver the goods, you better deliver the goods and they're not verbal. That's true. So your first Broadway audition that you got was High Button Shoes. So that, yes. that, yeah. Because of that, you started a lifelong friendship with Jerome Robbins. So talk yes. about that. Talk about. Uh, um, it's you know it's very interesting because I was I was thinking of uh, speaking to you today, and I went into my room, and I found this thing on my wall uh, that said Playbill Broadway salutes Jerome Robbins, and oh. I looked at all the names, and I was so flattered by my name was there and then i looked up and i saw this thing and i will send it to you uh it says dearest sandra at mm. this irreplaceable loss of my brother i am fortunate to be surrounded by loving caring family and friends thank you i feel cherished when I asked Jerry, how are you feeling? He would giggle and say, fine, but I need to rest. And that was just the day he died. And that was signed by his sister, Sonia, who was a great influence in his life. Yeah, she was. So talk more about doing high button shoes and doing your first Broadway show. What was I it? was so naive, I had no idea. That's the truth. Um, I mean, I just was having the time of my life. Yeah. That's all I can tell you. I, I, I met so many people, they were so kind. But the only thing is that I wanted to be a grown up, you yeah. know? I, and so I would try to put my makeup on and put something in my hair, you know, because I was a child in it. And I 
they would catch me and say, get upstairs and take all that stuff off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was caught between wanting to be a, a professional, you know, and then and then some small reviews came out that, that referred to me, oh. which was really nice. Like, a, a, like something like an exceptional uh, little kid, you know, um, a sawed-off mm. dancing youngster <laughs> named Sandra Lee was terrific, or something like that. But I mean, it was one of the great influences, and it was in a theater that doesn't even exist anymore. It was called the Century Theater, and it was way up near Central Park. Mm. It was a theater that, that it's not there anymore. It's not there anymore. So when you closed in that show, you still did it. You did it again on the subway circuit. So yes, I did, because I, I didn't know when to stop. I was just <laughs> having the time of my life. Yes, I did the subway circuit, and, uh, and I actually also did it, I think, uh, when we played theaters that had movies. Oh. And there was the movie, and then there was like a, 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 a midget production of High Button Shoes. <laughs> but, uh, but Phil Silvers was wonderful to me. And uh, he was the star. And he was so kind and funny. And he taught me how to defend myself on, on the stage. Like, there was a scene with him, and I would stand in front of him, this little kid. And uh, he would say, uh, uh, he, he would kind of back me off, knowing that I was getting to the edge of the, the stage, you know, oh. and then finally, yeah, and I mean, they all used to laugh at the things that they would, you know, little jokes that they would have with me. But then I learned, the last time he walked me toward the orchestra pit, I stood on his feet, oh. so he couldn't. <laughs> I don't know, you know, theater is wonderful. And especially if you really grow up in it, as I did, from the Borscht circuit, you know, to little, little, uh, playing little scenes here and there, or playing in a Russian nightclub in Washington, D.C., you know. Yeah. So do you like to do sort of tricks on stage or jokes on stage that aren't in the script or backstage? Only, only if they're acceptable. Oh, yeah. all right. Yes. Yeah, but, you know, only if they're acceptable. But we have lots of jokes between us always anyway. Yeah. I think I, I think also you asked me about, uh, uh, about Marlon Brando. Yeah. And uh, after I had met him, when I was wa working in Washington, I saw his name, and I thought his name was Bindo or Bamboo or mm -hmm. something like that. And, and what he was, he was very kind. He was in a show with Tallulah, and uh, he would meet me after my nightclub uh, show with the Russians, and we would climb the statue, you know, of the pilgrims. And the next day, they would be holding a, a donut, or a, mm. or a container of coffee. Oh, but he would. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It was just a wonderful time. Yeah. And, and to the day Marlon died, he was still my friend, and yeah. I his as well. Yeah. So your we were talking earlier about your friendship with Jerome Robbins, which yes. that was what led to your next Broadway show, which was Peter Pan. So yes. when you auditioned for that, you weren't originally going to play Tiger Lily. Or Tiger Lily. No, they didn't know what to do with me. Jerry wanted me, that's all. So they thought maybe he could be a little lost boy. Yeah. And then, I don't know, it was maybe one day in rehearsal, um, I was wearing my sneakers and my blue jeans, and he said, that's it. Um. That's it. And that's how the costume got born. Tiger Lily's costume got born from rehearsal clothes. And and then uh, the, the costume designers, they they were so nice. They were a husband and wife team. Their names just escaped me at the moment. They were very famous and did many shows. 
that, that the barking that you hear, by the way, it means that somebody sent me a, an email. That's oh, all. oh, but that's uh, okay. but uh, they 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 let me design uh, Peter Pan's uh, feather. That feather mm. was designed by me. Yes, I made my headdress. <laughs> So after you got outstanding reviews in the out-of-town tryout, you had your part cut a little. So what, yes. what did you think about that? What do you think about that? <laughs> well, I guess I would think that you would try to give more to someone who gets good reviews, but... I don't know. They, uh, you know, that's part of the theater, and it's part of something you know. When you put a show together, whether it's a play or a musical or even a ballet, you are never finished. Yeah, that's true. You so... are never finished. And it's always refining or cutting, or, but it's always to make the show better. There's, there is a theory, uh, a theory though, that sometimes it's used, and that is if somebody is really a showstopper, you know, give them too much to do, and they yeah. will cancel themselves out. <laughs> oh, oh, a showstopper, give her another number, give her another number, you know, yeah. give them another song. <laughs> yeah. So what were the things that you were originally doing before? It was cut during the tryout. I, you know what? I, I honestly don't remember. Mm. I, mm. I really don't remember. Oh, it wasn't something I did. It was something Mary did. In I'm, in yeah. uh, in uh, Peter Pan. We we're talking about Mary uh, about Peter Pan. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 As a matter of fact, it's quite a well-known story but I'll repeat it because it's true. And that is, it was a show, it was a song called When I Went Home. And it was one of the most beautiful songs ever that Carolyn Lee uh, had, had written the lyrics to and Moose Charlap. They were the original composers. And um, it was a, a song that Peter explains to Wendy that when he went, when he went home, there was another little boy in his bed. Oh. And, and it was just um, heartbreaking to me. And she did it so well, and suddenly it was gone. And I went to her dressing room, which I never did, again with my chutzpah, <laughs> and I said, Mary, why did you cut the song? And she said, no one applauded. Oh. And I said, they didn't for the Gettysburg Address either. Mm. And it became a very famous story. Yeah, it is a famous yeah. story. And how did she react to that? Hard to know. <laughs> <laughs> Hard mm. to know. Some people who are great stars, it's hard to read them. So Peter Pan famously was one of the first shows to be filmed in the theater. So what was it like to film it? Was it different than when you were just doing a regular show on stage? Oh my gosh, yes. Because we did it in Brooklyn. Oh. oh. We did it in Brooklyn and uh, in a television studio. And the orchestra for the Indian dance was actually in another place. I oh, mean, it was, it was a horrendous experience, actually. Oh. If I hadn't been so madly in love with, with Cyril Richard, who was the dreamboat of all time, yeah. he was just amazing, an amazing human being, an amazing Captain Hook, an amazing everything. He was, and his love for opera, oh, he directed opera so well, so oh. very well. So, I, I don't know if I'm taking you down crazy alleyways, but... No, no, not at all. But actually, you led me right into my next question, which is... Oh, good. ...about the next show you did, which was an opera, Reuben Reuben by Mark Blitzstein. 
So yes. that was a drama, whereas the other works you've done up till now was a comedy. So which do you prefer doing? Um, I, Reuben, Reuben, you know, is there? There are many families who have a child that's not quite right, you know, yeah. and it becomes like, it becomes your favorite nephew and uncle or your favorite niece, you know, when they're just a, li a little not right. Yeah, I know. And uh, Reuben, Reuben was a disaster. Oh. Uh, and I was madly in love with the genius, really, of Mark Bernstein. And when I first came to New York, I heard a song of, of something that he'd written, which was called No for an Answer. And this was just a, 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 a tune, a song. And I would always say, who is Mark Bernstein? Can I meet Mark Bernstein? Um. And, then... and and actually, I was I was in a show when I auditioned for Reuben Reuben, and I remember um, Mark Bloodstein got up and said, "She's it." Oh, that's so great. And and actually, it was it was one of the I don't know it still is one of my favorite scores. It was a it was a musical or an opera about lack of communication. Oh. It was starring Eddie Albert, George Gaines, and and uh, the great great um, Evelyn Evelyn Stewart. Yeah, that's a great cast. Oh, amazing! I wish we had recorded it. I wish somebody had filmed it. Something. Not nothing. Nothing has lasted. I can't even find the score. Oh, that's too bad. Well, but you were saying earlier that it was a disaster. What did you mean when you said? I that? meant it was a disaster. Um, it was about the lack of communication that never communicated that to its mm -hmm. audience, and we opened in Boston. And I remember that that. Um, the, the dance that I did uh, uh, with the young dancer uh, in it, um, uh, his name just escapes me for the moment, but it, um, actually, um, I, I think Eddie said at one point, uh, he said uh, it opened in an insane asylum or something like that, and, and he said, I must have been crazy, and the audience got up and said, you are. <laughs> I mean, it was one of those oh. disasters. And, uh, and um, oh, what was his name? It, it'll come to me. But anyway, we stopped the show cold. Um. Uh, with a, with a, we were dancing to this beautiful uh, song that, that, that uh, he wrote um, called, Is There a Rose? And it just stopped the show cold, and we had to come. This was in Boston. In fact, we closed in Boston. Um, and um, I, I just, I just remember we came in our underwear to take a bow. <laughs> you, you know, they had to come and get us. Oh. They wouldn't stop applauding. That's great. So and Hanya Holm was the, was the uh, choreographer at that time. She was amazing. It, I mean, it was just an, a disaster of that kind. Is something you will you'll keep, like 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 a child that wasn't right. You know, it just wasn't right. It had genius in it, but it wasn't right. Yeah, I guess sometimes things just aren't. Yes, I I would love to do it again, sometime. Oh. Either directed, you know, now that I'm a director, I would love to direct that and make it right. It was oh. a score I will never forget. Never. So, so the next show you did was another thing that was different. It was a play. It was Hotel Paradiso with Bert Lawrence. Yes. Oh, oh, what a joy. What a joy that was. I mean, a joy. Um, yes, it was uh, Fado. Fido, and uh, directed by Peter Glenville, and starring um, 
Angela Lansbury, who is still my dear friend. We speak at least twice a month. Oh, you know, on the phone. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are very close friends. I think she's one of the. She is a, an antidote for a thousand divas. Oh, that's what she is. She's an artist of the highest order. Absolutely. So, in that show, you performed. I was saying it was a play. So, how was performing in that different than doing a musical? Oh, because it was a play, and because it was Fado, and because it was a farce. It wasn't a musical. It was a farce, and yeah. and and a French farce. And and French farces are always about people always consumed with their idea of what they're going to do, and then of course they never get to do it. I mean that's the farce <laughs> element of it. And of course there was a great Bert Lahr, and it a cast that was just a tootsie roll. It just was an amazing cast. And we all loved each other and laughed all the time. And uh, uh, Carpen Carpenter and I had a wonderful scene together. Um, I don't know. It was just a joy. And I remember the director. Um, I don't know why this is rushing back all of these uh, memories. But um, uh, um, I, uh, uh, the director, Peter Glenville, a wonderful English gentleman director. Um, he he went on to do an, another play uh, called Rashomon, and by that time I was very secure as an actor and as a performer. And so I called him and I said, "Oh, I said I could do the medium in Rashomon," and I remember <laughs> I remember Peter Glendale saying to me, Sa "Sandra, my darling." Of Hotel Paradiso, <laughs> certainly not. Oh, <laughs> and that was the end of my being in Russia. But that was, uh, I don't know, I just. Uh, um, Russia Mun is where actually Rod Steiger, who is a very good friend of mine, a great actor, um, met his future wife, and and a very good friend of mine. Um, whose name just went out of my head. Mm. <laughs> uh, too many memories, too many, uh, you know, just too much excitement. Uh, yeah. Claire Bloom, yes. Oh. And then Claire Bloom and I, years later, did, uh, we worked with uh, Michael Kakayanis uh, to do the Trojan, the Trojan Women. Oh. And I played Cassandra, and it was one of the, the great, great Greek tragedies. And uh, so, I mean, one, one job, begets another finally yeah in the end or 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 you know I I didn't just live in and 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 get comfortable in in the world of dance there was too much to learn and uh, street scene and uh, doing operas and you know I all my life I've always read or written or painted or acted or taught or coached you yeah. know I've, I've had an enchanting life you and have. you know what charles you're going to have an enchanting life i don't know what motivates you to do what you do at your age but i identify with you i have the same i have the same need to do what I did and still do as you do. Thank you. I find there, really, I find there's, I, I don't know where you're going with all of this, but I know I can see you becoming a director. I can see you becoming a writer. And oh, I was speaking to a friend of mine, Charles Bush. Who oh, I yeah. Love. And I, I, has he done your show yet? Uh, yes, he has. He did it a week ago. Oh yes, because I, I, you know, I, I really have no, no technology in uh, at all. I'm not very good, but but uh, I wanted to hear one. So I heard the word. I heard the one that you did with um, Josh, the, Josh Ellis. Oh yeah, but um, I so I, I, I guess it's by number. Like I think he was Josh Ellis, episode six. Yeah, that sounds right. 
Yeah. Oh, good. So then I can look forward to hearing the wonderful Charles Bush. I adore him. I, I yeah. produced uh, his play. Yeah. So I actually want to talk to you about doing that play. So you produced and directed also that play? No. Or I, just I just I produced it because I bought the rights. Oh. I, I don't know why, but I, I said, Charles, I want you to do this play, Shanghai Moon. And he said, whoa. Uh, I said, no, <laughs> no, I'm going to produce it. So that we found, I forget what, what the company was, but I'm, I'm co-producer. Yeah. Yeah. So now of, I'm... Of Shanghai Moon, uh, which was great. And it was with Charles, and my name was below his. But he was the star of it, and and it was Vicky and Baker and Charles and Daniel Gerald oh, and wow. D.D. Wong, and it was directed by his usual Carl Andrus, who's a wonderful director of most of Charles's things. Yeah, he is. You know what? I'm just as in love with the theater today as you are. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what do you think you'll do with this material, like these people that you've been asked, like myself, like Josh, like Charles, like all these wonderful people? What would you like to do with your show? It's called Broadway ba Babble, right? I'm learning from my from my my neighbor, who's a wonderful actor. Oh, who's cool. Yeah, his name is uh, um, um, actually Ma Michael Mullins, and he's a very literary person as well. But he uh, he's he's a great neighbor, and we come up on our terraces at night with our pots and pans uh, <laughs> to celebrate the the firemen and and all the people that have been wonderful with the virus. Yeah, you know, that's good. Uh, yeah. And Every seven, seven o'clock, every night we bang our, you know, say hello, New York, thank you, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I do the same thing. Oh, you know what? I too, I keep, I keep, uh, uh, finding little little bits and pieces because I don't have any technical knowledge. You know, I'm re yeah. I'm much better with the, the, spro the spoken word. Yeah. But you know what? I've been writing plays. I just oh, wrote man. a wonderful play uh, with um, a, a wonderful writer whose name is uh, uh, James Piazza. He, he's, he's a wonderful uh, playwright. He wrote one with uh, uh, Jimmy Kirkwood. Oh, um, yes. That I directed a long time ago as well. But uh, we just wrote, wrote this play about Louise Brooks. And yeah. uh, I, I did a reading of, of, of it with her. Um, I mean, I'm not with her, but, but um, I, I played her, oh. yes. So, yeah. so even though you've been mostly directing, you would still want to act again? I, I, I you know, um, they, they talked me into it. And I said, okay, you know, because she was my age at that time. Uh, Louise Brooks is when she was actually totally a, an al alcoholic, and she was oh. she was leaving she was living in a teeny tiny flat uh, uh, flat in Rochester. But there oh. was a great um, the Co the Kodak Museum of Silent Films was there, and uh, so she ended up there. Oh. And so we, we, we wrote this play ba based on that, that period when she was there. It's, you know, people in the theater, you, they're, 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 well, they're, they're people from my generation who I admire, you know. Yeah. They're, they're leaving us, you know. Oh. Yeah, it's and, true. And so my next book, actually, which is called, it will, it, it, it's going to be called Snap, Snapshot, Snapshots Redux. And it's about my 
early life, a little bit more of a memoir, but maybe meaner, a little <laughs> bit meaner than the other book that I wrote. Um, and, the, and the book that I, I wrote has done very well, by the way. Um, I'm glad. I loved it. I loved oh, good. It. Oh, how sweet. How, how terrific. Um, but uh, uh, the, re the reason it's called uh, I've Slept With Everybody uh, is, is that when you're a kid and, and, and you're, you, you know, and, and so enchanted with the theater and everything and movies and, uh, that people would say to you, you know, you've got, a, you've got to get a manager and you've got to, you've got to know agents and you, you've got to see, you, you know, you've got to get into bed with them. It was, it was an expression. Yeah. And I thought, that's the name of my book. Because um, that's what I learned was, was to meet everybody, to be honest, to work with everybody, with, you know, do my homework. You know, I got into bed with them. Um, yeah. <laughs> and everybody thinks, oh, it's all about you and Marlon Brando. That's all they want to hear. It's about Brando, Brando. Mm -hmm. He was a great friend till the day he died. And yeah. Jerome Robbins, the genius, I can, I can thank for the rest of my life, for the life that I've had. Yeah. So actually, the next thing in your career I want to ask you about is when you worked with Jerome Robbins again on Ballet's USA. Yes. So talk about doing that show. Uh, that was, he, he brought us, he brought us to Spoleto. And that was when Spoleto, uh, Manotti's Spoleto in Italy, uh, brought us. And it was really, I mean, it was a, a 16 dancers of his choice, American, um. sizes, shape, colors, whatever. And we went to Spoleto with Ballet's USA, and we danced in our sneakers, our blue jeans. Uh, ben Sean uh, did our sets. I mean, our. Our, the clothes that we wore were ones that we usually use, you know, in rehearsal or whatever. And I don't know, but I can only say that the people would, would carry us through the streets. They loved us so much. Oh, really? That's great. Yeah. And then we toured the world. And then midway that, I broke my Achilles tendon. Oh. And uh, that changed my dancing life for the rest of my life. Mm. I could no longer be in a ballet company. Mm. That was, uh, 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 it just was different. I had, I had to do other things. But you did still manage to do one other Broadway show, actually two, but one other which is very famous, which is Hello, Dolly. So I want yes. to ask you how you auditioned for that and started doing it. It's the only, I, I share this with you, Charles, because I'm oh. madly in love with you. And that is that it's the only show that I never had to audition for. Oh, really? Yeah, I was in Spoleto, actually. Um, I, I, was, I was in Spoleto. And this call came from Gower Champion, and uh, he just said, "I, uh, I have something I'd like you, you know, to do." I, I said, "Okay." He said, "I'll send you the script," and he did. And I read it, and I called him back, and I said, "I can't find it." Oh. He said, "What do you, you mean? You can't find the script?" I said, "No, I can't find the character." <laughs> and he said, he said, that's why, that's why I want you. And that was the first show I never had to read for, sing for, dance for. And there it was. It's the only show that I ever really, really never had to audition for. Mm. So yeah. 
<laughs> and he was he was a piece of work, let me tell you. Oh, really? Gower, Gower Champion. So you also got to work with David Merrick on that show who was notorious in the theater. So what was it like to work with him? Well, the big joke is about Mr. Merrick. I did about five Merrick productions. Oh. I never called him anything but Mr. Merrick. Uh, and he would always say, Miss Lee. We were very formal with each other. And I tried to quit every Merrick production that I was ever in. <laughs> he would say, here she comes. I said, I just can't do it. I just, I'm not sure I'm good enough. And he would say, here she comes. Here she comes. Show us a smash. That's what he would say. <laughs> He was a remarkable person, and now I say he owes me a million dollars. Oh. And the reason why David Merrick owes me a million dollars is, and it's true, I mean, I really feel that way, because Hello Dolly at one point was on overcall. I don't know what you know was about overcall, but when a show is in trouble and they haven't opened yet, uh, they need, they run out of money, and um, so the overcall means that people put money into it to keep it going. And I was so happy to have a job, and so grateful to yeah. work with Gower and everything like that. That I, and that I, wrote a check for oh. an enormous amount of money for me, and that was $250, and <laughs> I gave it to the office, and I never saw it again. It was never oh. returned, it was never ripped up and sent back, it was never cashed, wow. and if, if they had kept my $250 check, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for Hello Dolly, I would be a millionaire today. Yeah. So that's why I say, David Merrick owes me a million dollars. Everybody laughs. That's all. So you also got to work with Carol Channing on that show, and I know you have a funny story about her opening night gift to the cast. But actually, yes, I do. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 I'll never forget that opening night gift. It was the largest pair of bloomers I have ever seen. I mean, and, and the, the laughter was through the whole theater. Mm. And the boys got a tie with those uh, painted initials yeah. on it, you know? Yeah. Tacky! Tacky! Yeah. Tacky! <laughs> but she was a unique monstrous, you know. There was nobody like her in the theater. There are very few. There's Carol Channing, there's Ethel Merman, uh, like that. Where yeah. the, you know, they're just, and a Bert Lahr. I mean, they're it's so true. individual. They're so, what we call in France, we call them monstrous. They, yeah. they belong nowhere but in the theater. Absolutely, well, yeah. A lot of people feel that way about you too, including me. Oh, I would be so flattered. I would be so pleased. Yeah. I really mean that. Yeah. That's the nicest thing you said to me today. That's yeah. just great. Thank you. <laughs> so so I, got, I, I, you know, I, I've done lots of movies. And I, there's some some people that you know, like Robert Benton. Um, yeah that you know that taught me nestor alamendros taught me about cinematography um i'm always interested I'm, uh, i had great teachers as a painter uh jane wilson i mean to me tom keel was one of the great designers uh when i was with the ballet de paris with with uh um uh, Petit, i mean my life will never change. I'll yeah. always be somewhere in the world. I love to travel. I love mm. to be with my people. And that is people who are, uh, you know, I, I belong to that. I was, I was embraced by the, uh, such 
incredible people like mm -hmm. Frank O'Hara, like uh, de Kooning, like Larry Rivers, like uh, um, Pasolini. I mean, I've met them all. I yeah. love them all. They were kind, um, great poets. Uh, I mean, it's uh, Virginia Woolf's. I mean, uh, all young people should be introduced to the Kenneth Cokes, to the Arnold Weinsteins, to the poets, to the painters of their time. Yeah. And they will embrace you and and introduce you to Akhmazaba or, I mean, the great writers, the Colettes. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's what keeps us alive. That's true. Don't you think? Yes. Mm. So you were beginning to talk about your movie career, and I want to talk more about your movie career. You were the consultant on a few big films, including Billy Bathgate and more. So yes, that's Robert Benton, oh. and Rod Robert Benton, uh, he and his uh, his wife actually, Sally Benton, and I painted together. She's a wonderful painter, oh. really a, a wonderful painter, and. Um, she said, would you, would you, would you meet with my husband? Now he's done a couple of movies and everything, but um, I said, sure, yeah. yeah. So when I met Benton, he said, would you work with me on Places in the Heart? Oh. And I said, if you will, you know, introduce me to the world of film, you know. Um. Because when I worked with Fellini, um, that came from from a friend of his who saw me in Spoleto. But with Benton, it was something else, you know. Yeah. And and sure enough, I, I met him, and and of course the the film got the Academy Award for Places in the Heart, and and I've done five movies with with him as a consultant. Oh. So I I. I began working as a consultant to directors on movies. So you also because because I have the actor's language. Yeah. And of course, my great 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 teacher, the only great teacher as far as I'm concerned, um, was Stella Adler, who was Marlon's teacher. Marlon brought me to his teacher. I said, I, I don't just want to dance. I really want to learn how to act. And he said, I'll take you to my teacher. And that's how I met Stella, my oh, wow. glorious, glorious Stella. So, so uh, you know what, Charles, I hope that you have the kind of life that I have had. And that is that I am so fortunate to have met the geniuses of our time. Yeah. And who were gracious and and really, uh, you know, I train now uh, young filmmakers. Two of my young filmmakers now have won awards for their first short films. Oh, wow. One is a, uh, one is a young guy. He, uh, he's Lebanese. Uh, he's a wonderful actor. Uh, he's just won every prize in Venice and in France for his first first short film. And another one, Bonnie, Bonnie Chen, who's a world famous Chinese uh, uh, model, who is now one for her film. So, I mean, I, you know, if you don't, if you're not generous with what you know that you've received from other people, you know, you're, you're worthless in my book. Yeah. So I owe I owe this interview if it's any value to you. Oh, to you. It has a because, ton. Of, um, because of you. Thank thank you. You're welcome. You were mentioning Stella Adler earlier, and you not only did teaching with her, but you also taught alongside her later. So yes, when you teach acting, what are some of the biggest messages and principles that you try to teach? Truth. Truth. By that I mean 
Good plays are about ideas. And don't do anything as an actor, a writer, or a dancer, or a director. Don't do anything until you understand what you saw. Yeah. So Otherwise, it's of no value. Understand what it was, is, mm. that you saw. Don't do it until you understand it. Yeah. So, do you find teaching rewarding to do? Only if they're talented. Uh -huh. <laughs> Otherwise, I have no patience. I'll say, uh -huh. go find somebody else. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can't help it. Yeah. So you've, not just on movies, but also in your teaching, you've taught a lot of celebrities. On your bio, I see that among them are Sally Field, Joan Jett, Cindy Lauper, and two of the ones you taught were Natalia Makarova and P. Diddy, both of whom are known not so much for acting. So how do you sort of teach people to act too? Yeah, or, or Jane Fonda, who's very generous, yeah. We worked on a movie, and her director at that time was Sidney Lumet, who never knew that I was working with her. Jane oh. is an extraordinary person. Yeah. Extraordinary. And takes direction very well. Very well. So who have been some of your other favorites of these big stars to work with and teach? All of them. Oh. Really, yeah. Or else I won't work with them. <laughs> it's as simple as that. <laughs> because it's a camaraderie. It's not your word. It's finding the truth, you know, together. So yeah. then, I want to just ask you, what have been some of your most memorable experiences working on movies? Oh, gosh. I, 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 I don't really separate them. Whenever I'm involved, I'm so involved. It's if you ask me what's my favorite play, it's the one I'm in. Yeah. My favorite movie, it's the one I'm working on. Uh, my favorite actor, who I'm working with. It's as simple yeah. as that. I fall in love with them. Yeah. So have you found that most of the stars you've worked with have been like eager to take your direction? Uh, yeah. Or else I wouldn't be there. Yeah. You were saying. Yeah, there, there is a one, there's one singer, I, I, I've been doing cabaret and um, winning lots of awards with, with uh, K.T. Sullivan, with Jeff Harner, who I think is going to be a great director. Um, uh, um, uh, uh, I would say Jeff, K.T. Uh, Sullivan, who I adore, I love her that whole family as a matter of fact and and then uh also to um marissa Mulder is another one that i that are my favorites to work with yeah in in cabaret they're, so they're they're artists they're dedicated yes they so, are so what was it that inspired you to start stacy stacy sullivan Oh, uh, another one. I mean, the Sullivans are just amazing. <laughs> there are eight of them in that family. Oh, wow. Yeah, all musicians, unbelievable. So what was it that inspired you to become a director on your own of plays? I think they chose me. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I think I yeah, I think somebody would say, well, uh, direct me in this, you know. I'd say, okay, that was the end of that. <laughs> if I could do my homework, yes. So what's your sort of approach to directing? Find what the play is about. Yeah. And Again, good plays are about ideas. Yeah. That I learned from Stella. Oh, really? And off that, what have been some of the hardest plays for you to direct? I guess them all. And by that I mean it's, it's, it's never a, a run in the park. 
It's yeah. really doing the homework and really find, finding where that, that line of truth really is. So in your directing, what do you think you've learned from the directors you've worked with yourself as an actor? Again, tell the truth. Yeah. So tell the truth. Is there another show that you'd still like to direct if you could? Um, I don't know. I'll see it. I'll see it when I see it. Ian. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I'm there. Uh, I'm working on a new book, and yeah. I, I, I think what what answers what I'm trying to say is is one of the lines that I put in a book, mm. and that is, when you are young, the sky is the limit, yeah. and when you are old, the sky is the limit. Oh. Yeah. So then, the very last thing I want to ask you about is, yes. you've had such a long and legendary career, what's the one or more than one piece of advice you would give to someone just starting out? Love what you do, and know that you have to tell us show us yeah that's, that's the only thing I could think of with love and respect yeah that's a great lesson yeah. to learn and tell the world to read Elena Ferrente she's my favorite author oh I will and yes I'll thank you so much for doing this podcast it was a thrill for me to hear all your amazing stories Listeners, thank you once again for tuning in, and as always, remember to come back on Monday when we have a big treat in store for you. That would be Broadway star Penny Fuller. Penny Fuller has appeared in Applause, Cabaret, The Dinner Party, A New Brain, Barefoot in the Park, Rex, An American Daughter, Dividing the Estate, and most recently, Anastasia. Off-Broadway, she has such credits as Three Viewings and Thirteen Things about Ed Carpilotti. Her TV career includes her Emmy-winning performance in The Elephant Man, The Two Mrs. Grenvilles, and more. Thanks for tuning in.